A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus proceeded on his journey up to Jerusalem. As he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. He said, Go into the village opposite you, and as you enter, you will find a colt tethered on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone should ask you, Why are you untying it? You will answer, The Master has need of it. So those who had been sent went off and found everything just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying this colt? They answered, The Master has need of it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks over the colt, and helped Jesus to mount. As he rode along, the people were spreading their cloaks on the road. And now as he was approaching the slope of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to praise God aloud with joy for all the mighty deeds they had seen. They proclaimed, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He said in reply, I tell you, if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. When I was a child, there was a period of time where my father worked third shift. And so every night, my mother and my father would gather my sister and I together in a living room, and we would spend some time saying some prayers and talking about a couple things, and then my sister and I would would go off to sleep, our parents would tuck us in, and as we were drifting off to sleep, our father was going off to work. And sure enough, about eight or nine hours later, when we woke up, refreshed after a a full night's sleep, my father was coming home from work. And I remember, especially in the summer, when it got to be around noon, my sister and I started to get restless because we wanted to go out to the park or to the pool or, or to baseball practice. And so we would always go in and wake our dad up after he only slept three or four, maybe five hours. And very beautifully, every time we went in to wake our father up, he would always do whatever it is we wanted to do or go wherever we wanted to go. And I can remember a couple times, especially being at baseball practice, you know, looking over at my dad and hoping that he was watching as it was my turn to to bat or if I was making a a play in the outfield. And sometimes I would see my dad falling asleep, you know, his head sort of bobbing, or he would actually be asleep, be sort of just laying on the grass sleeping. And I remember thinking, you know, why why is he sleeping? You know, doesn't doesn't he care about me? Doesn't he want to watch me? Doesn't he want to see his son play baseball or, or swim or whatever it was that I was doing? And it wouldn't be until much later where I would finally understand how much my dad was loving me. And that he was loving me in a way 
that I couldn't perceive. And he was loving me in a way that wasn't even perceptible to my own senses. He revealed his love for me by simply working all night and being wherever it was I wanted to be. And isn't it true that when we experience in our lives real, genuine love, it is oftentimes so pure, so humble, and so gentle that we fail to recognize it or that we fail to perceive it with our senses. And it is with this background in mind, I believe, that we need to approach Palm Sunday. Because what is Jesus doing today as he rides along on the roads and he's praised and adored by the crowds? Jesus is not a politician looking to gain votes, right? This is not a a political rally in which he is hoping to win over the masses. Jesus is not some celebrity that's looking to the applause of the crowds for affirmation and for his identity. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die. And the interesting question, the important question for us is, what is our response to this? I don't think it's coincidence that on this day, on this Palm Sunday, the church has us read the Passion. And it can almost seem out of place. Why are we reading the Passion on Palm Sunday? And I believe it's because it's almost too easy to find ourselves somewhere in the Passion. And the church, by giving us the Passion to read on Palm Sunday, is preparing us for the days that lie ahead. And as we hear the Passion this Palm Sunday, and as we are seeing Jesus go through the streets, you know, who are we in the Passion? Are we like the two disciples who are arguing about who is the greatest? Are we like Peter, afraid of what other people think about us? Or are we, God forbid, like Judas, disheartened and disillusioned because God is not conforming to my plans, to my ideas, to my image of the way I think that life should be. And yet, despite our fear, despite our pride or our disillusionment or whatever might be our reality, how does God respond? St. Paul tells us in Philippians, he says, Jesus emptied himself taking the form of a slave, becoming obedient to the point of death. How strange are those words? 
God emptying himself. God taking the form of a slave. God becoming obedient. And God dying. So often in life we say, I don't feel God. I don't understand God. And so we conclude that God must have abandoned me. Or that God is, is far away from me. Yet what Palm Sunday reminds us of is that the reason we often can't perceive God is not because God is far away, but because God has come so close that his presence and his love is often so pure, so humble, and so gentle that we can't perceive it. When I was a child at baseball practice and I would see my dad asleep, it wasn't what I imagined love to look like. Yet I would come to realize many years later that it actually was what love looked like. And so today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, let us pray for the grace to see and to understand clearly Jesus' actions today. He is on his way to Jerusalem to die. It is not a mistake. It is not a failure. It is simply the deepest expression of his love for each one of us.